0: Into the wild I'm going, into the wild I am. It's been a while, freedom child, since I left my roots back home. Into the wild I'm going, into the wild I am. It's been a while, freedom child, since I left my roots back home. Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast.
1: Pelvic health educator and herbalist Maura Sternberg on the show, bringing you a powerful conversation on how to get patriarchy out of your pelvis. She offers a mind blowing shift of view on how to see our vagal nerve, our relationship to self, and invites us to get clear on what lineage we claim, who are our masters. We talk about embracing rest as a part of detangling ourselves from patriarchy and reframe self-care as something that might not even feel good. Get ready to get witchy with Maura and I in this conversation today. Welcome to the show.
2: (laughs) I cannot believe I'm actually here with you right now, Emily.
1: Can we do the whole thing in song?
2: Uh, yes, we. Yes,
1: why would I ever teach not in song? Oh, we should definitely. Well, I I will not sing publicly. However, you can. <laughs> okay, so we are here. Okay. We are here to talk about exploring pelvic health. The title of this episode is tackling patriarchy through the pelvis: and exploration of Female bodily liberation. You should see what she's doing right now <laughs> through resilience practice and self responsibility. All of my favorite topics. Uh, so let's just kick us off with a little intro about you and and just let your let your passion come through. Why why are you into this? Sure. Why am I into this? I'm into this because
2: I have had a lifelong journey with pelvic pain. Mm. And also the more that I talk about my experience with pelvic pain, the more I become convinced that everyone has experience with pelvic pain for the most part. Like I've not necessarily I can't really remember meeting any human being who would like who was like, Yeah, my my female pelvis, no problem. Yeah, no worries. I think I might be one of those. Oh my God, it's you. You're the one. You're the one. She She never pees when she sneezes, just a little. She never... No. I don't pee
1: when I sneeze, but I did jump on a trampoline recently and it didn't feel great like so yeah. there we go but I wouldn't call that pain I wasn't in well, pain okay. you know what I think you're right I
2: think this is a the this thing about pelvic pain I think maybe the wording is not fully articulate of what what we pelvic need pelvic health talk about. integrity Pelvic integrity might be Yeah. Bad. Okay. There, yeah. I
1: can go there. I don't think I have perfect pelvic integrity. I no. know I don't because I jumped I mean, on that trampoline and was like, oh, like, that doesn't but, seem great. <laughs>
2: <laughs> is there a trampoline on the inside of me also? <laughs> I, have definitely... I was
1: like, is it normal to be jumping, holding my vulva? <laughs> okay. Maybe not. I should probably Wait, do something with that.
2: That was the realest thing. And also... um on this tip around uh, like pelvic wellness, pelvic integrity, like a lot of the people, I'm a dancer. I uh, practice yoga. I, I'm in spaces of people who are like being very intentional about the integrity of their bodies. And still people are like holding their vulvas when they jump on trampoline, yeah. etc. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is a place where, um, like it's, it, because our pelvises are like our divine connection. They're how we ground out energetically. If I can go like to the witch world for a second, like the coccyx, the tailbone, that's that's like the energetic tail, the umbilical cord energetically down to the earth in general, no matter what what pelvis you're in. But the female pelvis is responsible for like receiving and releasing it's Mm -hmm. this very delicate balance that's particular to the female pelvis and patriarchy has absolutely no patriarchy has no regard nor respect for the idea that our pelvises are energetically connected to the earth and on top of that actively wants us to not know to not pay attention to to not be articulate or have any integrity around how our pelvises are designed in this very particular release receive dance and so we'll go to the gym like i'm like okay yeah let's go we'll uh go to the gym go work out do yoga all these things were created by men like Mm -hmm. they're created by people with male pelvises crossfit don't get me started so Mm -hmm. like we think you know yeah i'm training yeah i'm getting strong i'm um even just like engaging deeply in my body but because the patriarchy is everywhere. <laughs> it's like in your gyne office, obviously.
1: oh well, it um, built it built
2: everything. It built our
1: roads. It built our chairs. Um, our chairs. Oh, it built our cars. It built, it built. It's all for the male body.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And like, if we just think about, um, like the beautiful divinity of the pelvic floor, like in the female pelvis, it's like such a complex like infinity loop spiral around all of the things that are going on in the pelvis. It's totally different. Mm-hmm. Like it's structurally completely different.
1: Obviously. And it holds the womb, which is the center really of the whole body. Right. The the womb is is really the center of our of our physical and spiritual universe really as women.
2: Completely, completely. And also on a physiological level in the female body, the vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve is responsible for our nervous system calibration, our autonomic nervous system. It's, it's how it's the nerve. It's like the big mama nerve (laughs) and it ends in the female body. Like it has a a really um, important termination point in the cervix. Mm. So the pelvic floor is responsible for uh, like almost like trampolining to Mm -hmm. use (laughs) all of the like structural integrity of that, of that, of those organs and to if any aspect of that, when any aspect of that gets thrown off, because I don't know, you wore high heels every day to school to look cute when you were 16, or
1: like you lift weights on your period or, mm-hmm. I mean, or too it, tight of pants or, oh God, totally. I mean, just anything like so much of, yeah, put, be having directed pushing for hours, not resting postpartum. I mean, it's or Or it's like,
2: just how you stand like mm-hmm. like we're supposed to have like six packs and flats bellies it's insane it's like there's a uterus there do we know that there's a uterus there so when any of that stuff like obviously presents out of integrity like because of the world the swoop that the suit that we're swimming in the mm-hmm. world that we're living in like because of that i mean the vagus nerve gets disrupted like, that's, that's how we interpret our whole world. That's like insomnia, anxiety, mm. um, period cramps. All of these things were like, yeah, this is just what being a woman is. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Like, this is all one thing, right? What it's if like no, everyone's, no, everyone's, no, everyone's
1: no, going to be walking around being like, my vagus nerve is like really, my vagus really, a, <laughs> really <laughs> out of integrity? <laughs> that would be more true. That would be very true. That would be very true. <laughs> So I didn't know, I didn't know what you just said about the vagus nerve being, having a termination point in the cervix. I mean, that makes sense, but I didn't, I'd never thought that.
2: Yeah. And it, it, that actually kind of explains well, the out of worldness of the birth portal and like the work of, and even like on a basic level, like, why you would throw up while you're dilating Mm. like that that vagus nerve that's that one thing that's the highway faint
1: right after birth exactly exactly
2: Yeah. yeah yeah and so people are we're walking around like doing the best we can with the tools we have but the the more that we can get really clear about which tools serve which master Mm -hmm. and the lineage of the tools that we're using. Mm -hmm. I'm not like, oh, I'm never going to do yoga again, but I'm not going to do yoga and think that it's going to help the integrity of my female pelvis. No. Wow. Probably not. Unless Mm -hmm. I get really intentional about that. Like the lineages of all these things that are just commonplace for us now. I think we just got to be get. We
1: have to get more mindful about. (sighs) That's such a big deal. Yeah. And yeah, thank you for bringing call. that up. It's such a yeah. big deal like who who are who who are we learning from and where did it come from and who was it made for? Exactly. Yeah.
2: Exactly. And um this is also another this was really trippy for me when I really integrated this, but like I so when I was uh, 18, I had a hymenectomy because yeah, it's a super, they, I got diagnosed with an imperforate hymen. I'm using air quotes. If You can't see that. Whoa. Um, which I think is kind of a scam diagnosis. Like it doesn't actually make sense. Okay. So do, were you having symptoms? I could not put in a tampon. Like I tried for real and like almost passed out. Hence vagus nerve.
1: But and that's not really a problem, is it?
2: It all—it was a problem because I was like, I want to have sex. I want to have penetrative sex. Right. And I was like, I actually don't, I can't do this.
1: Whoa.
2: Now, the reason why that happened in my body, in my understanding, is that when I was five, so at that point in my life, like a long 13 years prior, I had fallen and really injured my tailbone twice in the year I was five. and. Aww they weren't particularly like necessarily emotionally traumatic experiences. But once one of the times I felt I knocked the wind out of me and I like thought I was going to (laughs) die for a hot second. So that's kind of a funny story that I can go into in more detail. But the bottom line is I, by the time I was 18, I already had kind of the word that I want to use is like dysbiosis, which is a word we use when we talk about like the intestines being out of integrity, but that's really what it felt like, like pelvic dysbiosis. Um, things weren't like in the right place hmm. and that got diagnosed as, oh, imperforate hymen, right? Okay. When in reality, the ligaments and tendons and tissues and pelvic floor, all of that was totally inflamed. From exactly.
1: The- well, of course, that, that is why it's a scam. Exactly. That right there because so much of Western medicine being a scam because it only looks at the... the barely skates the surface. Right. Not root causes and... and not at all. Connecting all the dots. Yeah. Not at all. So you had a surgi- surgery that opened up the hymen? Yeah. Like cut away some of my hymen. Oh. And it
2: like worked, I guess. But I spent the next like few years having sex that was painful like hmm. it was also fun but it, it wasn't all it, I was like I know this isn't as fun as it wow could be. and I went to the gyne and <laughs> the
1: guy named-
2: she was like
1: I've never heard anyone call them the gyne
2: wait that must be a, a midwestern thing that it's is like, hysterical them, Hold up, are you serious okay <laughs> hello, if you're out there and you're from Chicago, you're from the Midwest and you're listening to this, I need you to at me. At call me a witch on Insta. Tell me that you call the gyne the gyne, please. That is I really
1: funny. Okay. So you went to the gyne.
2: So I went to the gyne and she was like, oh, well, you must just be pretty anxious. Like um, maybe just have a glass of wine or two before you have sex. And I was like, um, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, just like,
1: disassociate
2: yeah just like numb your body i was like dude my like my boyfriend knows more about this like he's not going to be down for this plan you know what i'm saying like uh so i said okay no thank you and she said well i could prescribe you some like Xanax oh and God. i said this is not the problem like i'm not this is not in my head this is not a more is anxious problem that's not what's going on here but of course there was like no solace to be had there. So no. it
1: felt, it felt for you really physical. Oh, I knew it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because it, I get not that that was sage advice whatsoever, but I get that in lots of cases, you know, women have already been molested their whole life and they've been, exactly. you know, raped by their PE teacher. And then they go to have consensual sex and they're so in their head and they're so, they're so tight and so traumatized. But right. that is not the case here.
2: Right. That's not the case here. And also when that is the case, Um, this is that other piece where I think in general, like we have to tend to the structure too, right? So like the tissue in that case, if that woman came to me, I wouldn't necessarily say like, okay, yeah, we should work on some, you can use some anti-anxiety herbs for this, you know, that might help. It might like address the symptoms, but all that, all of that experience gets, gets held in the physical body. Right. So we have to go in through the physical body. In any case, that's what she said. That's the advice she had to offer me. And I said, no, thank you. I I have a feeling that you're a scam. And I walked out and I figured it out on my own, which is what I've always done. Bye guy.
1: <laughs> bye, Giny forever. Okay, I cannot. This other people I swear I this lied might... about the title of this episode. Now it's Bye, Gynie. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, please do that, Emily. <laughs> please do that.
0: Um
2: and so All of this is to say it took me a long time to realize that the woman who was sitting across from me in the gyne office, like she is a woman and like she also negotiated her life with a female pelvis, but her lineage is not of women. Right. (laughs) That lineage is not of people living in female pelvises. That's just not what's going on. So.
1: No, and in fact, her lineage of of obstetrics is literally founded on rape and assault and torture and violence of the female pelvis.
2: Yeah. So don't think. No, No, thank you. There's no, there's no liberty. I don't think for me, I'll say there has never been any liberation there. Mm -hmm. Never been any liberation there. So basically I changed, I changed my lineage. Like now I claim lineage from like Rochelle Garcia Saliga of innate traditions and Zen Shiazhu, Eastern medicine, and you guys of Freeber society and Kiminami, like those people, because without, I think without that we're lost without that, we're like powerlifting and we're like, yeah, we're really strong. But I went to a, um, a pelvic floor physical therapist who said that the majority of fourth degree tearing she sees, are in dancers and yoga teachers and fitness instructors because that industry is so dominated by like male pelvic pattern holding.
1: Yeah. And also, that is a strong narrative in industrial birth that the dancers and the Pilates teachers and the 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 yoga instructors are going to tear and are going to need surgeries. And I don't really care about that narrative unless we had some
0: surveys of yeah.
1: undisturbed dancers and Pilates instructors because yeah. we know that those women are also getting drugged and having directed pushing and right. having a baby pulled right. out. So it's like, doesn't really... I hear your point. And I also feel protective of the violations I've seen against those women in the name of how they've used their body while they're yes, being literally yes, violated. Yes yes, you know? yes, yes, yes. Oh, I totally understand.
2: Yes. Yeah. I. It also strikes me to clarify that like a lot of these practices now are attached to femininity like it's feminine to be a dancer or something but again like ballet was made by men right, right. like so yeah mm. I totally get your point though but so interesting yeah so we I think we gotta get critical about
1: <sighs> all, of <it>. <sighs> all of it all
2: of it 100% <laughs> of it I think yeah I can and I think I'm gonna go here by way of Byron Katie <laughs> awesome I love her I love Byron Katie and I've been a little bit, um, I've been pretty inspired to reorient myself to um, like self-responsibility as my activist work at this point in my life or um, yeah, self-responsibility is the the change-making that I want to see in the world. Byron Katie, uh, I can't quote it, but the idea is like, who can teach peace, but people who are peaceful, Mm -hmm. um, like war makes war basically. Mm
1: -hmm. And, and who can have peace, but those who are willing to actually have it.
2: Right, right, right. Precisely. And so I have spent other times in my life, um, working on deconstructing patriarchy, working on, um, constructing matriarchy in various different modes, I've like marched and I've organized and I've led and it's all been very useful and wonderful and very hard. Right now, I think that the thing that I'm focused most on is how I, mm, is centering the body first, is having the body be the site of the liberatory experience and letting that radiate out from there. So I was doing important, excellent work in my early 20s but, like, my pelvis was completely colonized by the patriarchy, by patriarchal models of understanding my body, by physically what I thought my pelvis should look like, what I was training my pelvis to look like, how I was mm. training my pelvis, by the fact that I was had been on the pill or that I was interested. I thought that, like, it was ridiculous that I needed to take a day off of work on the first day of my period. All of these mm. things. And it's very tempting, I think, for us to want to get heady about how we're going to fight patriarchy or how we're going to tackle patriarchy. And we're going to like lobby and write and use our brains, which I think all have their purpose. But for me, I found that I had done all of those things as a way to escape negotiating my actual body
0: mm-hmm.
2: and negotiating the patriarchy. Like, I have the image of like, when I'm working on my pelvis doing a uterine massage, I can feel like dark spots. I can, f- it feels like patriarchy energy. It feels like the energy of denying and dismissing and violence. That I'm, uh, it feels like I'm exercising the ghosts of patriarchy that have hooked themselves into my body. And I think that, that experience, that hooking energetically, even bare minimum on an energetic level is rampant, probably happens in all of our bodies and our liberation work will be only supported. And I think like amplified by huge magnitudes, if we can simultaneously look at the body as the seat as the as the place where we're negotiating these things yeah first and foremost
1: yeah yeah are you willing to sleep are you willing to slow down are you willing to, to like rest do a are, you- are you willing to rest <laughs> yeah.
2: yes are you willing yeah. to touch your own body are you willing to and also are you willing to experience the pain of uh, the physical pain of what it takes to like rewire your nervous system and the pain on other levels of knowing of knowing what we're surviving like the the deeper you get into this the more clear it becomes just what we're surviving right now and what we have been surviving
1: yeah and and so go going back to that line you said surviving patriarchy is foundational to the experience of pelvic pain like what, what I think on that is for as long as we are in a state of survival, yes. Then we will be navigating some experience of pelvic pain because it's almost one and the same. Like exactly being, being in that state of threat, essentially. And it, it can be psychological, it can be physical, it can be spiritual, it could be the whole thing. And and this, you know, in the tools that I work with, it it's kind of the it, and it's very similar in the vein of Byron Katie that, you know, when you're in a state of survival, um, you are essentially trying to get security approval and or control from outside of yourself. And there are true times where we are in states of survival, like bear chasing or not knowing where you're going to sleep that night, not knowing how you're going to feed your kids. Like that's, those are true states of survival. Um, where you are truly for survival purposes, needing to uh, get security approval control from outside of yourself, mm-hmm. but the vast majority of people um, you know, in our spheres actually stay committed unknowingly to a state of survival yeah. instead of resourcing ourselves and and so for for my own, energetically spiritually whatever like for my own journey with this i agree it's really deep and it's nuanced and it's kind of it's almost hard to put language to it that is. the the this concept for me and my body and in my world of shifting out of a state of survival very much includes shifting deeper into my body from a mm-hmm. self-centered matriarchal lens which is complicated, and there's so many layers, and it—it's—you mm-hmm. it, know—it seems never ending. But, but I guess where I'm getting at is, when we get resourced enough internally to move past a state of survival, yes, we can actually experience our bodies as, like, the central through line of liberation. Yeah, of ecstasy. Yes. Yeah. And that it's for us, that it's Mm -hmm. not against us, that all of this pain is directing us towards the information of of liberation, if we choose to see it that way. Or you can take the fucking Xanax and have painful sex, you know, like this is the crossroads we're at.
2: (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. It requires a reframe, a reorientation to the experience of pain as like A goddess sent system of communication between you and what the earth loaned you—that we call your body. I also (laughs) really appreciate your uh, the orientation towards survival, and I can pull that thread all the way back to the vagus Mm -hmm. nerve, right? Like that's that's the the central the state of survival or not is the thing that determines the state of the vagus nerve which is the thing that determines the state of the cervix which is the thing that determines Mm. the health of the pelvis like that's that's the place between this world and the spirit world that's Mm. the place between the outside and the inside of your body that's the place where i mean a lot of the endocrine system like hormonally all this stuff sits here so Oh, it runs so deep. It runs so deep. It runs deep enough that it's like in the literal blueprint of... It's in the physiology of the body. The body is designed to like lead us on this path. Yeah,
1: I'm totally thinking like for myself, like, oh, okay, I do all this work and I'm like so on purpose and I'm so blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but am I willing to not have coffee to start my day? Like, am I willing to, you know, am I willing Uh to spend really conscious present time not doing am I willing to right all of these things you know that my my yes. like the 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 part of me that is called you know calling me towards my own healing like whispers in my ear to do and the and then the rest of me is working on this exterior layer of do mm-hmm. do 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 and it you can really trick yourself in that Oh, totally.
2: I, I also, my sister and I have been doing a lot of work together around rest and rest practice, and this reminds me of that because I think often we think that rest should feel good when you're doing <laughs> it. Like, right? You're like, yeah, I'm relaxing, so it's gonna feel good. No, that's interesting. No, yeah. I don't know. That's not true for me. I spent the past like five days in kind of like a dark menstrual bloody cave and i was crawling on my skin the entire time mm. i would not describe that particularly pleasurable it, mm. it it didn't feel it didn't feel good actually for most of the time it didn't feel good and that's why this gets that's why being able to trace the lineage of what we're doing is so mm. important because yeah. the way that i have learned that rest doesn't feel good is capitalism or like is is patriarchal capitalism, is the things we're surviving right now. I learned that rest is dangerous from that place, right? Mm -hmm. So in my body, it's going to feel bad and weird and bizarre Mm -hmm. and maybe even painful. Or boring. Or boring, empty, itchy. That's what it feels like underneath my skin. So itchy. For me, it's like
1: unproductive,
2: unproductive unprodu- right so the yeah.
1: belief oh the belief that rest is unproductive is, is actually very wrong yes. it's actually deeply incorrect why the fuck do humans sleep like we know <laughs> we know what that rest is actually so literally yeah. right like it's biologically productive you heal in your sleep it's needed but yeah, I I feel that. I feel the the resistance to that. My sister is really good at rest and really good at self-care. She's really trained herself to be that way and and I was telling her a couple months ago about how, you know, I, I wanted to start exercising again because I've been really like disconnected to that and she looked at me and she said, "What if you just spent a year rest <laughs> and I was like bite your tongue woman <laughs> I was like horrified <laughs> and she was just like mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah 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 this point, that, my point is that where we have resistance yes to the, in. right to the point <laughs> the parts of us and this is where it gets a little it can feel heady or complicated in the beginning at least is if you don't have a relationship to your divinity. If you don't have a relationship to the part of you that is in alignment, that is connected to to the universe, that is connected to God consciousness, then then it, it can be hard to determine like which voice is which. But yeah. if you do have a strong sense of your own sovereignty and, you know, your intuition, your guidance, it's, it's not that complicated. Like I do know what is calling me towards healing. And I also know the parts of me that say no to that. And, yeah. and that's kind of your point of like where, where, what lineages and what thoughts are coming from what places and, and take the time to really explore that because it helps us categorize those voices, right? So yeah. the part of me that's like F off telling me to rest for a year, I understand is the part of me that has been conditioned by patriarchy, by domination and control, a -hmm. society of domination and control and productivity and proving my worth through these outside, you know, external forces. I understand that's the part of me that's resisting it. Right. And therefore I can work with that.
2: Right. Right. And you, you can rest (laughs) rest easy knowing that if you're operating if you're working to release that thought pattern release that um consciousness that's something that you want to release like i don't want to release the part of me that's like no more another day of rest will do you good right once you can identify and discern um That I think that discernment piece that you brought up is really crucial. And the way the process that I arrived at being able to discern what pieces of me were communicating maybe for my highest good or for my deepest embodied experience was like listening, like asking and listening. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Rochelle once said (laughs) in a class, Rochelle, I swear to God, Rochelle Graciously has saved my life. She said people, something like people keep asking, like, how do I know? Like, I don't know. I don't know what's right. I don't know. And she was like, did you ask? Did you look up and ask? Did you touch your uterus and ask? Did you like sit down and cry and ask? (laughs) Like you have to ask and like wait to hear. And that process of that for me worked best when I was doing embodied practice, mm-hmm. when I was touching my body, when I was breathing consciously, when I was sitting on a steam, when I was doing a castor oil pack, it felt like yeah. I had the somatic experience of being able to ask and receive that information.
1: Totally. Yeah. I appreciate that. Right. Right. Cause that also can be translated to prayer and sitting on an altar and meditation and all of the same stuff. Like in the vibration of rest, you can receive and you can actually listen and you can't listen while doing like, there's just a, no. it's kind yeah. of one oh, or the other.
2: Yeah. This, this point that you make about uh, rest is essential for receiving this. This, this aspect of receiving energetically, I think is the thing that makes the female physiology particular. Mm -hmm. And it's the thing that, how we've, that domination training we've gone through cuts us off from Mm -hmm. the rest. That cuts us off from the understanding of receiving, receiving guidance, receiving pleasure, receiving money,
1: receiving anything. Right. And then it's so easy to then listen to those around you And then it's so therefore easy to betray yourself accidentally, which we all do. Of
2: course, of course, of course. Right.
1: Like receiving the receptive
2: capacity of the physiology of the female pelvis to me is like being able, like I was in the throes of like a really, like really bad period cramps, uterine ligament cramps. They're some of the most painful things. I have an eight out of 10 pain. Ouch. Like my round ligament sprained, well, strained, whatever. And I was in the throes. My sister's like moxing my back. I'm like naked and crawling and sobbing, and I can feel like a spirit. <laughs> can it is, spirit is around. And I said, I said to myself, my body, like, okay, I know that you need to do this. I've only got one more round of this in me. And then after that, I need a break. Like I I can do, I can have this pain for one more time, one more round of pain, and then I I need a break. And when we've been in rest practice, when we've been in practice of receiving in this way between ourselves and our bodies, like my body totally listened. Mm -hmm. My body could receive that from me. And I had received from my body, I know you need to do this. Like, I know you're working like past life, ancestral stuff. I know this is being worked out right now and I'm here for it. And also we become like Mm co-creators with our bodies, with the universe when we can receive in this
1: way. Right, which is you being truly outside of survival. Yes. Like it's you actually... Being in a different consciousness, not just in to me, you know, victim consciousness, to me, right? It's actually through me, by me, for me. And so yeah. you can co create consciously. Yes. Yeah. Another thing you wrote me was women's bodies are the source of divine wisdom, and we are the creatrix of the healing stories that our bodies are asking for. Mm-hmm. That feels kind of like highlights, I think, the points that you're making. Yeah. I've been
2: really. Um, educated well by my body and by by my ancestors at just how um, I can't remember the word when it's like two to the power of three. What's that? I'm a high school dropout. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Like it reverberates our healing right now Reverberates forward and backward, mm-hmm. and non- it's non-linear, up and down. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh, it's exponentially non-linear. So, I I know now that I've like touched my uterus and touched my uterine ligaments and and held myself, really. I I can hear stories from my mother, from my mother's mother, from my great aunt who got put in the quote crazy house for being a spooky witch. Like I can hear these stories being unwound as my ligaments are unwinding. And that's, that's everyone. That's, that's everyone. That's everyone's story of birth. That's if you're embodied in your birth, that's what's going on, right? Mm -hmm. That's, when you can feel like a spirit coming in, that's when you put your blood on the earth. Like all of that is operating. And to go back to the Byron Katie aspect of change-making, that work is change-making on an energetic level. I believe that, um, I mean, sometimes are training ourselves not to see, but once we tune into we can totally notice and change the field of change the field that we're living in oh yeah
1: totally yeah everyone should go read a thousand names for joy that's my favorite (laughs) favorite one of hers i felt like i was tripping on mushrooms as i read that book i was like puzzle pieces clicking all together like oh right and that that was where the the idea of the three types of business you know mine yours and god's business was introduced to me. And I mean, that's been one of the most foundational tools to help me not suffer that I have in my toolbox of just whose business am I in? And if I'm in anyone's business besides mine, I don't belong there. And just return, return, return instead of the, the exhaustive addiction to Mm -hmm. be in someone else's business. Um, Gosh. And I mean, i for sure could not be doing what I'm doing in this public way without that tool because yes. of how much
2: beautiful hate and critique yeah. I get. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, I needed that I needed that revamp of that lesson just now. And it strikes me that there's this lovely parallel between um, being in our own business and being in our own bodies. Like totally getting out of your own business is a great way to get out of negotiating Mm -hmm. sensation in your body. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also worth mentioning that like, I do not in any way see the kind of pain that I experienced for a long time. The pain that I experienced was suffering. Like I suffered in that pain, but that was because that wasn't because of the sensation of the Mm -mm. pain.
1: No, it was your story that you made up about it.
2: of course.
1: Yeah. And
2: it was so, the thought that caused you suffering, right, precisely, and when we can like detach the relationship between the sensations that our bodies are giving us and our stories about it, right all of a sudden our our bodies are just talking to us and oh, all in your
1: and you're back in alignment with reality, right so that's one of byron yeah. Katie's favorite or one of my favorite quotes of hers is that all suffering comes from not accepting what is which is, which is enormous. And it's so simple at the same time, but it's true. Like, you know, for anyone listening, like track where you suffer, track it down and boil it down and guaranteed you will arrive at a thought that is out of alignment with reality, whether it's he shouldn't have died or she shouldn't have lied or I should be thinner or I shouldn't be having these cramps.
2: Yeah. Right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It changes the game and it allow, it opens space for the sensation of pain. This lesson I got from listening to people tell their birth stories, but it's so, it rings true so deeply, like that the sensation of quote pain can be like ecstatic, pleasurable, delicious, hilarious. Like Mm
1: -hmm.
2: when I was writhing on my bed, like butt ass naked with the Moxa stick. And I'm like pulling my sister's arm around and I'm like crying and sweating, like that was hilarious. Like, it was actually so funny. I wish we had recorded it just for laughs. That, that's the place mm-hmm. that, that feels like liberation to me. Well,
1: and that seems to be where women can hang out sometimes in birth when they describe their births as pleasurable or orgasmic, ecstatic. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a real fine tilt. It's a real fine tilt.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, Becoming fully embodied in our pelvises, unwinding the dis-ease or lack of integrity, all of that work is made much more delicious by the ability to see pain or sensation as minimum information, maximum like delicious, Mm -hmm. hilarious, Mm -hmm. ridiculously fun.
1: Yeah. I mean, in either way, one of my favorite terms is for me. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. how is this for me? How is this migraine for me? How is, how is, yeah, migraines are, migraines are kind of my like my hitch and my giddy up. Like, that's, that's a really hard one for me to do the work on. I feel so victimized by them. Yeah. So debilitated by them. But I've done a lot of, a lot of emotional work around it. And it really does come back to a lot of what we've covered of my own resistance to surrender and rest. Yes. You know, yes. like, oh, shocker. I have a migraine after nine hours of staring at a screen and hearing all these trauma <laughs> stories and like holding an enormous amount and not balancing the freaking the freaking thing. Yeah.
2: Ooh. Okay. Well, so your, your year of rest, it's coming up, Emily. <laughs> oh
1: my God. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it kind of has to because I would like to welcome in another pregnancy and I feel so deeply protective of that. And so what does it look like to create a year ahead of me where pregnancy is easeful and Mm non-stressful and how can I, you know, I want to be prepared to ally with six to 12 weeks of nausea, you know, and have that not be a problem. And so, you know, and what does it look like to spend 12 weeks postpartum not on a screen? And these are things that that hold enormous importance to me in my life. And yet here I am with this busy online company. So that's what I'm trying to, 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 Figure out essentially in in my life.
2: It's intense
1: work. Yeah. It is intense work. And I will,
2: that's a lovely parallel because the only actual reason really why I started to think, hmm, maybe I should heal my tailbone. Maybe I should actually like heal this pelvis stuff that I'm working on was that I was like 25 and thinking, okay, someday soon I want to have a baby. And I had that thought. And the first thing I saw is, was my tailbone um, it breaking in labor. Hmm. And like, I already knew I was going to be like in a bathtub. Like, it was weird that I saw that. And I was like, what is this? And then I arrived at this understanding, like my brilliant body had said, hello, please pay attention. <laughs> you have to, we need to organize around this before you're ready to call new life in, just like what, what you're talking about. And so, have you healed it? I am so I am at the very tail end. No pun my, intended. The very tail end of my tail healing. Um, I my coccyx is like finally back in the right place, hey. and the ligaments around it are finally like negotiate their lives with relative ease. This last part is just this uterine ligament dance that's happening my uterus spent a lot of time tipped like folded in on itself and tipped to the left and a little bit forward so my ligaments are like wait a minute this is where a uterus is supposed to be but Mm -hmm. so close so have you done
1: internal work with a with a practitioner
2: yes yes wound massage externally like um traditional Mayan massage and internal vaginal work and with a practitioner and self external massage internal and also a lot of like holding, um, what ended up being acupuncture points and just like breathing, mm. it's like the place where, the top of my thigh meets my pelvis. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of energy stuck in there from that competitive Irish dance background I have. <laughs> like, okay, gotta work on that.
1: <laughs> oh my god, I need to see video of that. Um, yeah, and you are someone in this country that, if you had stayed on on the gyny train, you would have uh, been labeled, you know, with endometriosis and had a hysterectomy. Oh my god, yeah. Like you would just yeah. wouldn't have a uterus. Like my mom, like my mother. Oh, of course. Wow. Good on you, girlfriend. Ooh, it's hard, but it is so worth it. It's so delicious. Um, do you have anything to share around pap smears? Because I get asked this a lot and we do have a whole section on this in the complete guide to free birth. Yolanda speaks on it um, very, very well. Um yeah, but I, I haven't really talked about it on this podcast specifically, and it's a very common question in our community, understandably. And like, I I don't engage with the gyni at all in any way, shape, or form. I don't think I've ever even had a pap smear. Um, the gyni, see now. Oh now yeah, you're oh yeah. It. No, I'm all about it. It's it's my new word. Um, but yeah, I'm curious what you have to say about it because yes. for me, it just seems so obvious that I don't want metal scraping out parts of my uterus to from a um yep uh what's the word path you know from a pathological lens to find something wrong with a bunch of strangers going inside me like it just feels very 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 obvious I don't want that but obviously the other side to that is you know this notion that that Western medicine is largely based on of like, but what if what if? Right. And so right. I, I find it pretty uh, misogynistic and counterintuitive because if we're in right relationship with our bodies, you're attuned to all these messages. Um, yes. But but yeah, what do you think? Pap smears.
2: Yeah, yeah. I have, I am in the same space as you, Emily, where I'm like, I have no interest in um, having things touch, having anything touch like the sacred portal between the worlds that has anything other than like complete and utter whole bodied reverence. I don't do a lot of like self cervix practice. I do a lot of um, like palpation, but I don't do a lot of looking because I like uh, visual self assessment of my cervix um, because I literally hate what's the, the speculums. I hate them. Just not going to work for me. Um, but I know a lot of uh, people who do do that and can like do visual uh, checks or do physical checks for um, fertility awareness method. But beyond that, I know a woman who's doing particular work around healing pap smear holistic approaches to healing what they'll tell you is quote wrong with your cervix after a pap smear what to do to bring like to bring um, your energetic self and integrity to a pap smear should you choose to go that route um i don't know on insta it's cervical wellness her name's danelle barbara i don't know if you've heard of her she's doing a lot of excellent work that i Um, really respect around deepening relationship with cervix. Cervix is the portal to the divine and what that looks like for the people who are interested in getting the pap smear, but also want to change the narrative around getting access to that information. Um, But beyond that, so usually when people come to me with questions, are pap smears, as in, I think that I want pap smears, but I want to do it in a way that's still in integrity. I usually send them Danelle Barbara as someone who I trust, but in general, like I'm not going to, <laughs> I'm not like, I'm not going to rely on a pap smear beyond my own touch, beyond my own intuition um, to tell me what's up. And also the things, of course, the things that Western medicine is looking to protect us against are things that happen when um, we like seriously disrupt our vagus nerves and our cervixes mm. with IUDs and non-organic tampons and like all of the myriad of other things mm-hmm. that we do to mess around with our cervixes. So I'm of the prevention is the best cure model.
1: Yeah, and I think that a lot of women in our community are really just asking for to be affirmed, you know, that their intuition is enough and that they yeah. don't need to have some big study to prove no. to their friends and family why they don't engage with the patriarchal system. Like, you don't you don't need that. You, no. you can opt out and then deal with the internal investigation that it invites you into. Right, right,
2: exactly. And that place, that space of, okay, well, I... I didn't go to the doctor, but now something's wrong with me and I could have caught it earlier. But what if that hadn't happened and blah, 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 like that future tripping or when it happens, if that happens, like that's, that's where the medicine is. In my opinion, that's mm-hmm. where like the, that's where actually the healing is, is reckoning with yeah. what your mind. radical self-responsibility <laughs> actually looks like. Right. Yeah. Which is exactly. About your mind.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, another thing you wrote that, that caught my eye that I want to hear you speak on is. You wrote, engaging in our own healing work through our pelvises is a double spiral of dismantling embodied patriarchy and of activating our own divine female power. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Um,
2: that I mean that when uh, when I take a day off of work and castor oil, the place over my, the left side of my pelvis that's a little bit puffy because there's lymph tissue there from the uterine ligament healing. When I do that, that in deciding to prioritize my body and deciding to prioritize my pelvis and deciding to prioritize, um, like your healing, my healing, the device, yeah. she within yeah. me, right. The thing that's bigger than just me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's like, two it's two at once it's not just like oh I I hate the patriarchy and I'm gonna smash that it's and it's not just oh I'm building this new thing it's both simultaneous it's both that I am rejecting all of that narrative in my head around being productive and being a good worker and being a useful citizen blah 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 and also I'm, using my body as almost like a the site to that which i'm building upon the like an altar an altar to the receptive yin energetic power hmm. that the female pelvis is physiologically designed to represent and designed to portal us into and through it's mostly like just respect like respect the earth respect this respect my pelvis at me so I mean, it, yeah yeah
1: so for women who are new to this concept and and really resonating with it why don't we wrap up on some ideas and offerings and suggestions and things that work for you and and where would someone who's kind of new to this even begin to treat their body as an altar or um invoke this concept of rest and, and, you know, yeah, the honoring of, of their uterus and their pelvis.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's one level of this answer, which is kind of like the list of self-care practices to try. Um, and there's a lot out there, so I'll, I'll just touch it briefly. Things like, um, castor oiling, heat packs, resting on the first few days of your menstrual cycle, not exercising, not running on the first day. I don't know if any like marathon runners. Just not pushing ob- yourself. Don't write your uterus is three times the size it normally is. It's not designed to be running. Um, and steaming self-touch that isn't sexual, self-touch that is meditative, which can be sexual, but <laughs> with the intention of um, meditative attention, and mindfulness practice. But underneath all of those like activities to try, the framework that I use with myself and with the people that I work with is about how well the pelvis is receiving, releasing, and maintaining. So how well is your pelvis uh, receiving pleasure, receiving a spirit baby? How well is your pelvis, um, in its reproductive capacity? How well is your pelvis releasing like pooping and peeing and bleeding? How well is your pelvis in like, what does it feel like when you squat? What does it feel like when you pick up a heavy bag? What does it feel like when you jump on a trampoline? Um, so these three modes to receive release and hold or maintain, I kind of invite people to just think like, where am I at with those things? Like mm-hmm. where actually, what what does it feel like when I take a shit? Mm-hmm. Like, what does that actually feel like for me? Uh, do I need to zone out on Instagram to avoid the fact that, oh, it kind of hurts on the left side mm-hmm. or that left hip is tight. So I always overcompensate when I'm doing squats.
1: Mm-hmm. Just
2: to get curious and invite inquiry about... And notice. Notice. Yeah, like, like stop, checking for- <laughs>
1: stop
2: checking out. Stop checking out. Stop checking. Just yeah. start paying attention, asking your body to tell you what's happening when it needs to receive, release, or hold. And then from there, that's how we get out of the paradigm of like, I have a pain, I'm going to take a pill, or I have a pain, I'm going to take an herb. I mean, I'm an herbalist, so p- we often treat herbs, I hate this, like pills. Um, but the way to get underneath that is to track what you're actually feeling and Like this is really about radical responsibility and radical orientation to embodiment. So like what's at the root? What's underneath that? What story is underneath that sensation? When did it start? How did it come to be? How do you think about it now?
1: Um, Yeah, and that's like a two-step because there's the, can you listen? Are you willing to listen? And then the next step is then are you willing to do it? And that's where I feel like I hang out. Like I can definitely listen, Mm -hmm. but I, I haven't taken full responsibility for than doing it embodying Mm it
2: mm -hmm. yeah and that space that's interesting space to to traverse the question the questions that come to mind when I'm in that place are like um what what does it mean to my body to say oh I hear you but then to like not do shit about it you know it means some betrayal Right, sometimes I almost think my body would prefer that I don't listen. Oh, no. better, better, like don't even hear what I'm asking for than be like, oh yeah, I know. And then like turn and walk the other way. My body's like, are you serious? Like yeah. <laughs> we've been telling you this for years, Maura. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's tricky terrain. And also, also I will say that I'm a divine timing kind of person. So sometimes all the times in my life, I've, it's been the right moment when I decided, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm actually going to
1: take this seriously. I hear you. I'm going to embody it. So, yeah, it's so easy to, depending on your, your mind, if you are a perfectionist type A, you know, self-critical, whatever person, which thankfully I'm not, but it's really um, tempting to use this use this conversation as another way to shame yourself, disconnect and even further, like beat yourself up. So, you know, in this exploration and it is so layered and it is, it is lifelong, um, you know, to do this with, from a space of curiosity, from a space of softness and from a true space of allyship with, with your body and with where you are and that it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's really deeply okay and and true sustainable shifts don't happen from a space of self loathing they happen no. from a space of self love and so that's a really interesting, tricky part where I see a lot of women I right, coach a lot of women who they 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 think and i I've caught this too myself, like they think they're in a lot of self work but it's it's unsustainable because it's actually. Yeah secretly rooted in criticism and, hatred. and self-hatred and yeah positive. yeah it's right. still yeah not quite not quite there yeah. right it's
2: only your body this is so real though your body and honestly your vagus nerve to get specific really only register the work that you're doing as healing when under, when healing mm-hmm. and love is at the core, right? Mm-hmm. Because we can't trick our nervous systems into believing that self-judgment or self-hatred is like good for the body. Mm. Yeah. Our nervous systems can see right through that. Your cervix can see right through that. Your cervix knows that if that's what you bring. So that is that is really the step one, which is why the, li- like the laundry list of self-care things to mm-hmm. try.
1: Eh, I mean, play around, of course. But- well, and we can all take a Epsom salt bath, not in presence. Exactly. We right. can do that and still be thinking of our to-do list and, and, you know, looking down at our bodies with, with, with a nasty yeah. lens. Yeah. And yeah, this is where, I mean, this is the like infinite loop back to presence and essentially like nothingness. Like there really isn't anything you have to do. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's a Osho quote around um, that the only journey is a journey outwards, because you start, you already start inside. And so any journey is actually a journey away. (laughs) Inside is where you want to end. So stay, Stay there. (laughs) Yeah. So where can people find you and, and continue to learn from you? Yes.
2: Um, our website is blossomingdaughters.com at blossomingdaughters on Instagram for the work that my sister and I are doing. If you have interest in working one-on-one in having some support as you unravel anything that comes up in your inquiry, your presence inquiry. Um, but in general on Insta, I'm at call me a witch. So If you want to come ask, DM me questions about the work that you're doing and or connect, I'm there as well. Um, And I just want to say thank you so much, Emily, for the space that you hold and the work that you do and how you operate in the world.
1: I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, you too. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, so lovely. And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one and group coaching, learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise, and the revolution starts inside each of us. Our opening song is by Shia Ray, And now, I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red.
0: I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honored. Eons upon light beams of survival Withstanding the eradication of our power by design I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me My sisters will no longer birth in captivity The picket line redefined from burning our wild women To paralysing us and drugging our babes Strapped down in a clinical white bed Drying up the milk from our breasts Keep your needle my family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention, death, ascension. I will fly and bring her back from the stars.